on this episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We're going to talk a little uh, NBA trade deadline. We'll recap all of the big moves that happened. The, we'll go over the Mookie Betts trade and some of the details in that one. I'm going to talk a little Sam Houston. We'll go through the Friday races. We'll go through the Saturday races. And then the focus for this weekend, for as far as the big stakes are concerned, will be Tampa Bay. We'll uh, talk about the Sam F. Davis, and we'll go through the really strong uh, Tampa Bay Saturday card. And then we'll close with your social media posts. Don't forget, if you ever want to uh, get a, get a shout-out on the show, you can post your plays for each weekend. Make sure to look on Twitter and on Facebook whenever I ask for the post. Post them. If you post three times in a row, winners, you get to come on the show with us. And this show, this episode, is brought to you by Sarah Candle Company. Visit sarahcandles.com, C-E-R-A candles.com. Right now, they have a really great offer. It's a Valentine's Day box. We all want to get something nice for our significant others, friends, family members, maybe a coworker um, on Valentine's Day. But you don't want to have to spend, you know, a ton of money. What's nice about this Valentine's Day box from Sarah Candles? Twenty bucks. Use the promo code GINO. Gets you ten percent off your purchase. You get to pick two out of the three of Fresh Roses, Tuxedo, and Date Night. They put it all in a nice little Valentine's Day box for you. Affordable. Perfect for your significant other or someone you're looking to get a gift for this Valentine's Day. And these Sarah candles, 100% natural, clean burning, highest quality everyone can enjoy. I personally know the owners, small business, if you like supporting small businesses. So Valentine's Day coming up, make sure to get your orders in. Use that promo code G-I-N-O on the Valentine's Day box. Sarah Candles, C-E-R-A, candles.com. February 7th, 2020. That's what G said podcast. Thanks for tuning in again, everyone. If you can, real quick, stop whatever you're doing. If you're listening, just hit that subscribe button, whether you're listening on uh, you know, YouTube. We want to try to build those YouTube numbers up. We're going to start doing some more videos over on YouTube also. If you're on uh, iTunes, if you're on SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spreaker, anywhere that you're listening, hit that subscribe button. If there's a rating or review, you can give us a little one of those, a uh, nice rating review. They help us out, give us a, a, a little boost on the charts. We're able to get seen and heard by more people out there, and then it helps us, honestly, when it comes to advertising and, and trying to get money and trying to make a little more money off the show. So uh, do our do your best if you can. Just take one second, and uh, we'll always continue to give you the best quality here on That's What G Said. Let's just jump right into it because I, I, I hate that we're getting this out a little later than normal, but I want to make sure we discuss some of the big stuff happening this weekend and uh, what went on this week. First up, in the NBA, trade deadline was Thursday, and some moves went down. There were a couple big moves. Let's kind of go through uh, some of the moves that happened. Clippers get Marcus Morris and Isaiah Thomas from the uh, Isaiah Thomas. The Knicks get Mo Harkless and a 2020 first round pick and a tw- uh, second round pick via Detroit. And the Wizards get Jerome Robinson. So this was a three team deal that was basically built around the Clippers getting Marcus Morris, who he upgrades them. I don't know how much. And, you know, there's a lot of talk out there about what a good, I guess, He's a tough guy. He's the kind of guy you need in the playoffs. Well, if, if he goes and punches someone in the face and gets thrown out and gets you a big technical late in the game, I don't know if he's the type of guy you want. Just this year alone, he has had an incident where he bounced the ball when he was out at the top, like literally took the ball and bounced it off the top of another player's head. And he's had an incident where he basically called out all of the, all of the, the women out there. And this was just recently, uh, about a week ago, he got it. He he made a comment after the game. So, is he um, an improvement on Harkless? Yes, but I don't know if he really. And so, so in in that sense alone, 
he's they, he feels like they're going to be a little bit better. But he kind of is a type of guy who wants the ball a little bit more. He wants to have a bigger role. Do the Clippers want that when they already have Paul George, Kawhi, and someone like Lou Williams, and even someone like Trez, who they like to get involved with a lot? Would they be better off having someone like Harkless who doesn't really need to take a lot of shots? I'm not sure. I do. Morris is no doubt a better player, and the way he's shooting this year, he's he's having a great year. But is it good good stats on bad team? Is he going to come in and be a great locker room guy? I just didn't think the Clippers really needed to make that move. If I were them, I would have tried to to upgrade and maybe gotten for someone like a Tristan Thompson, so you can upgrade maybe the center position a little bit. Because I think the only weakness that the Clippers really have. Right now is that they don't really have the option to go very, very big. And I like Zubat plenty, but I th- you you need more than him. You just need another body out there. Zubat can play great, but he's not going to be the type of guy who who you can have really playing. I think in the fourth quarter of a lot of games in the playoffs, he can help you out throughout the game and he can give you a body to to d up on some big guys. So the Clippers, yeah, they get a little bit better. But I, I still think, and maybe they look around at the buyout market, and the the rumors are it's between the Clippers and the Lakers to get Darren Collison. And Darren Collison was at the Laker game last night, and he was uh, at dinner with Jeannie Buss before. I mean, you would think that means he's probably going to come to the Lakers. And just when trying to pick between the two teams, if you're Collison and you're wanting to play, you probably want to come to the Lakers. He could come in and literally start or play heavy minutes off the bench and, and close games even. The point guard situation for the Lakers is not good. And as soon as LeBron goes out of the game, they don't really have anybody that can get that can really get other people easy shots. Some guys can get their own shots. Kuzma can do that. Anthony Davis can do that. Um, but Rondo's just he's just a shell of the Rondo that he once was. He's he's just literally getting by on reputation, and he he should not play a minute uh, on the floor anymore. So the Clippers, massive uh, um, massive deal. In gaining probably one of the bigger chips out there But there are probably people on both sides of the fence Do you think this improved the Clippers a lot? A lot I I do think it improved them But how much? We'll see Morris is kind of a polarizing player This was a weird one Andre Drummond goes to Cleveland And they get back The Pistons get back basically nothing (laughs) Henson, Brandon Knight And a 2023 second round pick this was basically a salary dump because Drummond has a player option next year. He's going to take it's going to be like twenty eight and eight twenty nine million dollars, and they just wanted to get get off of the Drummond contract. So Cleveland just takes a shot here. You know, you have a little while to kind of, kind of test him out, see if he if you like him and if you maybe want to want to re-sign him, and he'll probably take the player option and get in there for another year. And if you like him, then you you sign an extension with him. The big one was uh, D'Angelo Russell going to the T-Wolves. The Timberwolves get D'Angelo Russell, Jacob Evans, Amari Spellman, and the Warriors get Andrew Wiggins, a top uh, three protected first-round pick in 2021 and a 2021 second-round pick. I kind of like this move for both teams. The T-Wolves and Wiggins, they had their run. Wiggins had a lot of pressure on him there. He never really lived up to the billing. And now he gets to go to a place where there's not going to be a lot of pressure on him. And I think just from a positional standpoint, he fits that team better. D'Angelo for the Warriors did was a lot of, and I'm talking about basically for next year's version of the Warriors, right? Because when Clay and Steph come back, D'Angelo kind of has a lot of overlap from the two of them. They have very similar skill sets. You bring in someone like Wiggins, who's at least a wing and a slasher, and you hope if he doesn't have to to do as much offensively and there's not as much pressure on him there, he can improve his defense because that was supposed to be something that he was good at and he, and he really hasn't been. So Wiggins heads to Golden State. They get a couple of picks that they'll probably use to just bolster a team next year. I mean, they could be really scary coming back next year when they're when they're healthy with the opportunity to even bringing bring in another vet based on you know uh, some of their draft picks. Sixers clear a roster spot. Orlando Magic gets James Ennis. Philly gets a, a second round pick. The Hawks making a, a move, a couple moves. The Atlanta Hawks get Scala Bessier and Cash. Portland gets a future protected second round pick. Rockets Grizzlies swap picks, swap forwards. Uh, Houston gets Bruno 
Caboclo, and he was, you know, someone that was like a an internet darling a few years back. And the Grizzlies get Jordan Bell and a second round pick. Clippers cleared a spot before they made the Morris move. They sent Derek Walton Jr. to Atlanta for cash. And Iguodala moved from the Grizzlies, and he signs an extension, a two mil, a two year, thirty million dollar extension. So it, the Heat get Iguodala, Crowd, Jay Crowder, and Solomon Hill. And Memphis gets Justice Winslow, James Johnson, and Deion Waiters. So this one, one of the bigger moves of the deadline, Iguodala gets out. And they get Crowder, who's another solid veteran over there to help the Heat. I think this is a big improvement for the Heat. A couple more small trades. Uh, the Warriors trade Robinson and Burks to the 76ers. So the 76ers get Alex Burke, Alec Burks and uh, Glenn Robinson the third, And the Atlanta Hawks get Dwayne Dedman, who they... Didn't sign last. This was just a weird one. They get Dwayne Dedman in a 2020 and a 2021 second round pick, and the Kings get Jabari Parker and Alex Len. Weird. One of the bigger trades, uh, Clint Capella to the Hawks and Nene to the Hawks. The Houston Rockets get Robert Covington and a 2024 second round pick, and the Minnesota Timberwolves get. Malik Beasley, Juan Hernan Gomez, Evan Turner, Jared Vanderbilt in a 2020 first rounder. And the Nuggets get Gerald Green, Kita Bates Diop, Shabazz Napier, Noah Vonley in a 2020 first round pick. So this was basically built around Capella and Covington. And now the Rockets are tiny. The Rockets played the Lakers last night. The Rockets won that game, but they shot the lights out, and Westbrook had an amazing game. This is a they'll be able to win and beat any team on any given night because they're just going to be shooting and spreading the floor so much. But when you have to play them, you know, in a series come playoff time, they're not going to be able to to really slow things down and play defense. You just have to be able to get some stops and they're not going to be able to do that. So they they deserve to beat the Lakers last night, but I just don't know if this is going to work. And Covington was awesome in particular late. He was making some great defensive plays. He hit a couple of big threes late in the game too. Uh, Nuggets get Jordan McCurdy. Yeah, so there was not that. That was basically it. Earlier in the last few weeks, uh, the Mavs got Willie Cauley Stein, and we saw Ariza go to the Blazers, and Kent Bazemore go to the Kings. We saw T go to the Hawks. We saw Jordan Clarkson go to the Jazz. So now it comes to the the buyout market. The next like big name they're, they're talking about is Collison. Will he sign with the Lakers or the Clippers? Then after that, you're going to see. A lot of these teams that are tanking are young teams that don't want to win for the rest of this year. Uh, they'll start cutting their veterans, and and they'll start getting uh, scooped up now from... I mean, you're going to probably look at the, the the good teams. You know, Lakers, I'm sure the Clippers um, will try to maybe get a big. The Lakers will try to get a wing, and if they don't get Collison, some kind of a point guard. Um, J.R. Smith rumors which were with the Lakers, which eh, I, I wouldn't really like that. I, I don't think J.R. Smith is necessarily even better than like the Quinn Cook and and Troy Daniels of the world as far as like shooting and who guys are on the end of the Lakers bench who don't really play. So, yeah, that one for the Lakers has just got to be Collison. That helps him there. And then how about go get Mo Harkless, who the the Clipper if if the Knicks can buy him out, who the Clippers has traded, you know, just get Mo Harkless to play like ten minutes for you on the wing. Nobody who the Lakers get they need to play. I mean, Collison could play big minutes, but if they get a wing, they don't need someone to come in and play thirty minutes. They need someone to come in and be able to give them two spurts of five minutes to play some defense on wings. That's all. Not a whole lot. Okay, let's shift over to baseball. The Mookie Betts trade. Huge trade went down. Dodgers, basically it's a three-team trade between the Dodgers, the Red Sox, and the Twins, and it was really built around Mookie Betts. The Dodgers get Mookie Betts for a year, plus three years of David Price. In the last five years, only Mike Trout has produced more war, wins above replacement, than Betts. Betts is uh, about 30% ahead of the next player. This is uh, an article I'm reading, and that is in uh, by Keith Law from The Athletic. He hits. He does everything you could ask a position player to do. He hits for average, gets on base, rarely strikes out, hits for power, fields his position exceptionally, adds value on the bases, a career stolen base rate of 83%, plays just about every day. Price is more of a wild card. Uh, wrist surgery in his second season in the last three where he didn't throw enough innings to qualify for the AA title. His last great season was in 2015, but his stuff 
and his stuff was also down across the board with his worst fastball velocity of his career. And so he's just a total wild card, right? But think about this. He's moving from a place where he signed a huge contract and there was a ton of pressure on him. He's coming to the Dodgers where they're only paying half of his salary. And he's going to be like maybe the fourth starter on the Dodgers. I mean, he might he might be a bullpen guy at, at the end of the year. He's basically going to fill the role of Maeda. You know, so he will probably start some games early in the year. They'll see how he's doing. They'll see if he's healthy. They the Dodgers never push their pitchers to make a ton of starts because they don't want to overexert them. So between Bueller, Kershaw, Dustin May, Gonsolin, uh, Urias, they have Alex Wood. They also have a Jimmy Nelson. Alex Wood and Jimmy Nelson are pro- are like you know hopefully bounce back candidates after injuries. You know, Alex Wood was a former All-Star and pitched really well for the Dodgers and in and in the postseason for the Dodgers. They have a lot of options. You add price to that. He's going to come and pitch against the NL West after pitching against the AL East and the likes of the Yankees and pitching in Fenway. And now he comes out here and he has to deal with, you know, the Padres, the Giants, and the D-backs, and the Rockies. You know, we're not really talking about, uh, you know... Except for going to Colorado, you're not really talking about a, like a, a, the murderer's row of lineups. So, I think he has every opportunity to succeed here. He's just not going to be asked to do a whole lot for the Dodgers' price. The Red Sox' main return in this deal is salary relief. They moved 59 million in 2020 salaries, 32 million um, each of the next two years. Boston gets back two players who will help the team in 2020: Alex Verdugo, who was good last year. I liked Verdugo. And he hit for hours, a little power. He played pretty good defense in the outfield. He could play all over the outfield. And he, he could be, a, he's, a, he's a player right now. Like, he was getting some all-star consideration uh, before he got banged up. Like, he was really playing well. But he's not, I don't think he ever, he has the ceiling of anyone, you know, close to Mookie Betts. He's just, he's just a nice player. They also get uh, Bruce Dark Gretterall, who was in the bullpen for the Twins last year. He's probably going to end up there long-term in relief. He averaged 99 on the fastball. A tight slider averaged uh, 88. Missed the first half of the year with the shoulder impingement. And he's the reason why this trade is being held up. There were some issues with the medical. So everything that I've read, they've said the trade should go through today, Friday, uh, at some point. And then, uh, you know... It was it was kind of dependent on him and his medical, and if he didn't if this didn't go through, uh, they were going to find another prospect to to put into the mix, as basically like Mookie and Verdugo were the two major parts of this because the Red Sox do get Verdugo under control for uh, uh, for a while now. This article talks about the problem for the Sox is their long term pitching weaknesses remain unaddressed. Just don't have a lot now of depth in the rotation. The Twins. Pick up Maeda, which I thought was a really good move for the Twins. They get rid of Gratterall, who has already had some injury concerns and is only really projected to be a bullpen guy. Maeda can absolutely be a starter for the Twins, and then he's awesome out of the bullpen. He just gives you a ton of versatility. Come playoff time, this Twins team is really, really good. They've made some nice additions this year. They added a couple pitchers, Homer Bailey, Rich Hill, and Maeda now. A couple former Dodgers, they don't need them all to hit. They just need like one, one and a half of a good, and another like half of a good season. And I, I, I'm really sad to see Maeda go. I, I, he was one of the most solid pitchers come big games that, especially out of the bullpen for the Dodgers the last few years, I always felt very confident when he came into games. And I wish they would have pitched him even more because he was the type of guy who could go multiple innings for you. He'll start, and then if you need to, he can come out of the game multiple innings. I mean, he would be a good closer. He comes in and he throws absolute smoke. The only the only thing that is a little bit concerning is he's not quite as strong against left-handed pitching uh, against left-handed hitting, but uh, I, I'm a big Maeda guy. They get four years of Maeda who's under contract through 2023. And then the Dodgers in order to have to move some uh, some salary, they traded uh, Jock and, uh, and Stripling to the Angels. So some shakeup for the Dodgers, uh, no doubt. You know, you, you and then you bring in you bring in Mookie Betts, who you're just going to add to this really great lineup. The Dodgers signed Max Muncie now to a, a couple year contract. You lock him in. 
you just have a really good team. You have a team that's still young. You have a a stud ace at the top of the rotation in Bueller. You know, you, anytime you bring up Kershaw, someone's going to mention the the playoff stuff. I don't really think that's very fair to, to hold against him as much as we did before, right? I think we can still say there have been games and series where he was bad, but he was really good in 2017 when we should have won the World Series at home, and now what we know about the Astros cheating, and that was one of the games where you look around and there's all the banging going on, and that was the game that he blew in, in one of the you know his big uh, you know legacy games. He lost in, in the World Series and didn't pitch well against Boston, who might have also been you know doing something. So I think it's a little more difficult after those two years. No excuses for last year against the Nationals, and he's he's pitched poor. You know, against the Cardinals, and you know when he was younger, and against other teams, but he's actually pitched really good, too. So I think we got to take the good with the bad, and you you have him as a nice veteran on your team, and kind of like the heart and soul of this uh, Dodger team for a while. This is a good team, and everybody's just expecting and assuming it's going to be Dodgers Yankees now. And I'm looking at some of the projections for the. Uh, the Dodgers this year. Mookie Betts is projected to hit 294, 376 on base percentage with a 540 slugging, 34 home runs, 96 RBIs, and 21 stolen bases. Yeah, that'll do. David Price is projected to go 9 and 6 with a 3.74 ERA, 130 innings pitched. 135 strikeouts. I'll take it. These are the uh, fan graphs projections there. So that trade should be finalized any time, maybe even by the time you're listening to it. But um, I, I, from all the Boston fans that I've heard, they're just... If you look at the trade just as a trade, and you know that you're going to have a player leaving... And you're not going to get anything for him if he leaves, so you might as well try to get something for him. That's fine. Then, right, getting Verdugo back in the reliever, that's fine. But you're Boston. You should not be in a position to have your star Mookie Betts wanting to leave just a couple years after you won a World Series. This is the guy you build around. This is one of the best players you've ever had, period. Like, I don't think... If you're not a baseball fan, or if you're not someone who watches the American, maybe you're a Dodgers fan, you don't watch the American League all the time, or maybe you just don't, you know, you you you're you're kind of just kind of paying attention. Mookie Betts is one of the five to ten best players in the league, ten like max. If you said he was number two behind Mike Trout, you wouldn't like nobody would think twice about it. He does everything well. He had a down year last year and still had an amazing WAR, which is wins above replacement. Like a good peak year from him. In a lineup like this with the Dodgers, where you already are just loaded, I mean, he could sky's the limit, and that and and hopefully things go well because then he'll look and say, "Man, why do I want to leave this really young, good team in LA here?" And I'm sure the Dodgers are going to do everything they can to sign him to a long-term deal. Okay, let's uh, move on over and start talking a little horse racing with some Sam Houston. Horse racing fans and bettors of all kinds, we are very excited to be covering the races from Sam Houston Race Park here on That's What G Said on each and every episode. They're broadcasting in HD, they have bigger purses, turf racing over there, but for me, the key is that 12% low takeout on their multi-leg wagers. Doubles, pick threes, pick fours, pick fives. They are building a great program over there. It truly is major league racing. We have to give a big applause to the TTA, the Texas Thoroughbred Association. They've added new incentives and bonus programs for buying and selling horses so it's better for the customers and it's better for the horsemen in Texas their social media presence has been bumped up you can follow them at SHRP Racing on Twitter and you're going to find morning training videos the Monday Minute jockey interviews or if you're not on Twitter you can find all the information at SHRP.com they're just working so hard to treat their horsemen and women and the betters right so let's give them a little bit of our focus a couple big days coming up February the 22nd is Texas Preview Day, and the big day, March the 21st, that is Texas Champions Day. We'll be covering all of that action here on That's What G Said with all sorts of different interviews focusing in on Sam Houston. Make sure when you go to play the races, give Sam Houston a look with that ultra-low 12% takeout in the multi-leg wagers.
Okay, get your past performances out for Friday, February the 7th. I'm going to try to roll through these because we're, we're recording this early Friday, so it's not going to. If I spend hours on this one, won't give anybody an opportunity to listen to it before the races even go. So let's go race number one. Um, not a whole lot that I'm going to be playing in this first race. I kind of had this pegged one nine eight. I thought Chief Envoy uh, made a lot of sense in here. I like that he has some speed, but he can also sit, so that should help him from the rail because I was a little bit concerned about the rail draw. But I think with the ability to show a little speed and kind of get like get out of some trouble. And then also be able to pass horses if need be. So um, I, and I thought the nine long station, obviously, you know, major contender makes a ton of sense off of the big win last time out. And then the eight, um, Westmont, who I played most recently, and he was a good second. He really had no excuses. He had every opportunity to go by. This just feels like a tougher spot for him. And so to me, I thought this was a formful race. So I'm not going to play a whole lot in this first. We'll move on right to the uh, the second race. We can play a little pick four in race number two. We will, let's look at the one cat dude. These are made in 25,000, five and a half furlongs. The distance, the one cat dude is coming out of a race where uh, three others came out of. So four horses in this race come out of that January 24th race. He had a good start from the outside. Then he took back. He was like seventh or eighth, but he was about four or five lengths off. He kept wide um, in the clear. And it was, it was okay. You know, he, he made up ground late. I think he's, like, one of the, the horses in here to, to include. But the the problem that I have is, you know, that same thing with the rail draw. I think he, he was good coming from off the pace. If he has to take back and come around, eh, will that be a winning-type trip or will that be more of, like, a on-the-scene for second or third-type trip? The five is the horse that I—, I so I'll, I'll be using Cat Dude. I have him second in here. The five is the horse that I, I really like in here, Chakota. He has raced twice in his debut. He had a bad start, and then he got stuck inside. He he moved um, up into within a couple lengths at the top of the lane. He was actually third mid stretch, and then last time out, he was you know big speed versus better. He cleared the field. Now he's going to drop back in for maiden claiming tag. He's going to cut back. And he's going to put two starts together going second off the bench. I think you're going to get a much improved effort here from the five. Chakota, I'm going to bet him to win if we can get anything around five to one. I'm going to use him in all, in all the exotics. The way I'm going to play the pick four starting in this race is five, one, and 11. The 11 Sky Pulpit in his debut, he was five wide at the rear. He just really had no shot as the favorite. Um, really crushed the field uh, on the front end. And never gave the, the rest of the field a shot. The runner-up. From that race came back to win a maiden special weight Next time out So it comes out of a productive race And that was back in June at Lone Star So we'll go three deep in here You know I wouldn't talk you off The eight or the nine The four I guess I'm trying to beat There's four sibs they all have multiple winners It's a first time starter He could absolutely win It's more of a a short price in here Uh, And and I do like the five Chakota So for me I'll go five One eleven. I have them as the three to use in all my exotics. If you guys want to go a little deeper, you're looking for another couple. I mean, I think the next tier is the the logical horses. So you know that would be the four, the eight, and the nine. But for me, I'm just going five. Let's go one five eleven to start the uh, that early pick four sequence in race number two. Let's move on to race number three. This one's twenty five thousand non twos on the turf course, five furlongs. The question I have in this race: Who sits? There just looks like there's a lot of speed. I'm trying to. I was trying to find the horses who maybe they weren't as fast and maybe they just kind of get get into a tracking trip behind and have they passed horses in in the you know some of their previous races. So um I looked through the field. I do think the four hot fudge Louie might not be as quick as some of the others in here cutting back. He's a first time gelding. He's cutting back to a sprint. I think you can put a line right through his last effort. And let's just focus in on that debut race when he went gate to wire uh, right here at Sam Houston, going five furlongs, top notch connections. Hot Fudge Louie, I'm going to have on top in here The one Mighty Bugsy will be using I'm just a little worried about his trip from the rail But if he can sit just like he sat last time out And I like the fact that he's a maiden, a recent Maiden Special Weight winner Mighty Bugsy If he can negotiate the trip We'll include him uh, The two Honus This is one who can pass some horses here He can sit just off And look at that career debut He actually 
you know, came from off the pace a little bit. It, it sounds funny just looking for one or two horses who can pass, but I, I, I'm hoping that at least he can do something when a lot of horses are backing up. And so maybe a nice horse to use in some of the exotics. I'll throw him in in the pick four also. And then the 10, right lane, Marcus, who, again, that September 28th race, if he can sit a trip like he did in that race at Remington, he's going to be really tough. From the outside, I hope he doesn't get forced a little bit wide, but that gives him some options. So if they're going a little too quick, then maybe he goes, okay, let's take back a little bit. So I'm going to use them in in the exotics. We'll use 1, 2, 4, and 10. Those are the four that I'll be using in race number 3 in that pick 4 sequence. I have them 4, 1, 2, 10 in that order. Let's go race number 4. 5,000 claimers, non-twos. I think this is a good spot for the six honor deputy. There are two horses who will take a lot of money, and you know both of them have every opportunity and every right to win. That's the eight, all business. That's the ten, Trevolsky. I like the six. In his last start, he was part of a four-way battle. He was too deep. Then he got shuffled back a little bit, but he kept fighting in between horses for second. It was really solid. He's versatile. He has some speed, but I don't think he's going to be showing the speed. I think he's going to be probably sitting just uh, off the pace a a little bit in here. Honor, deputy. That's a play for us in race number four. So, uh, depending on how deep you want to go, like I, I'm okay with singling the six. You can go six, eight, ten. So we'll play a ticket maybe where we go six, eight, ten. Because I don't, you know, with these low takeout pick fours and stuff, it's fine to, you know, maybe pick one race where you're going to chuck the favorites out, or two races where you're going to chuck the favorites out, and then as long as you have prices and price opportunities in every race, you can build your tickets a little bit differently than at some tracks where I think you have to completely chuck, uh, you, you know. Out a lot of the favorites and maybe play it a, a little smaller because these you get you get a little bit better bang for your buck back. So six, eight, ten. I have them in that order with honor deputy, one of the better plays of the day. That comes into race number five, where this is going to be uh, my best bet of the day in race number five, and I'm going to go to the number eight in here, and that is AP's Bluegrass. That last start. He enters off a, a really nice second. He broke well. He pressed just off in the two path. It was back on October the 9th when uh, I really liked that effort. He had some trouble that day. He, and you look at his only two grass races. He he was a good uh, good third. And then he came back and, you know, you see seventh. He broke on top, but he couldn't cross over. Then he sits second. He's about four lengths back. He gets stuck inside behind horses. He's waiting for room, and he just never has a shot. You'll notice he's only beaten a couple lengths, and you can see he at one point he, he's at an eighth, but he's only a length out of it because the field just bunches up, and he's just waiting, waiting. There's nowhere to go. He's looking all over for room. I think this is a great spot for AP's Bluegrass. He gets back to the grass, and he's coming in off of a really nice effort last time out to set him up for the return to the green. Let's put the eight horse on top. We'll make a win wager if we get anything around seven to two. Uh, the nine horse, Our City. His last turf race was against uh, 25 claimers at Churchill. So uh, I think he's, you know, he's faced better on the grass. He gets back to the grass, and he's coming into this race off of a. Uh, a couple efforts where he was actually pretty decent. He was your beaten favorite last time out in that very same race where I liked um, AP's Bluegrass. So we're going to use the 8 and the 9. Uh, the 2, Rocket Tisway, logical. I mean, second off the bench, and this is a good spot for him. He faced open 15 claimers last time out, and the 1, Declare War. He took a shot against Better in a race that was taken off the grass last time out. Now he returns to the grass where he has been very competitive. Just two back, he was a, a winner at the 15 non two level over at Remington. So, eight nine two one. We'll play to win on the eight. I'll probably play some tickets where I single the eight, and then I'll play another uh, ticket where we're going with those four one two eight nine. So if you used all of the horses that we that we like in the early pick four, it would be something like this: one five eleven with one two four ten with six eight ten with one two eight nine, and. Uh, in race number two, make sure to include that five. That's the one that we really like, and maybe a few bucks to win. If we can get around five to one, we'll bet to win. In race four, the number six, Honor Deputy, we'll play around seven to two. And in race number five, the eight, AP's Bluegrass, we'll play uh, to win if we can get around seven to two in there. Race number six starts the late pick four. And I'm going to go with the number six, grade one on top. Uh, not a real strong opinion on any one particular in here, so I'll be using um, you know just a lot of the logicals. I have the one uh, six eight two one 
is the way that I uh, put uh, the order that I have on this race. I do think Monster Mischief, off a, a really good last effort, turns back a bit in a good spot. And I think if you kind of key in on the dirt form, this is a, a horse who, who's been pretty consistent uh, on the on the main track. And the Deuce, awesome Saturday, first time gelding for Asmussen, class relief has faced a lot better. And the one Nomo Ron uh, won uh, or was runner up last time out. Two back was in a race behind a horse who uh, was a next out winner against Louisiana Red Stakes race and has come out of some really productive races. So six eight two one. In race number six, race number seven, uh, we'll spread out a little bit here too. The three Newport Beach. You're getting a horse who has some speed, who's going to go second time on the turf, second off the bench, second for the new barn. They are kind of looking for where this horse fits. I think you're going to get better from a horse who's going to be forwardly placed in here. Newport Beach. We'll put on top of the ten. Mula John, who he played last time out on January the 17th, coming off the bench, faced tougher, and just really didn't have a very good trip. It was it was kind of a race that just looked like they wanted to get a prep into this one. So I'm expecting better from the 10, Mula John. The 2, Spiritual Warfare, looks like the one that they'll all have to hold off of late. Put a line through that last effort and uh, key in on the grass races. You know you're going to get a... Uh, a late rally from Spiritual Warfare. And then the 7, Mr. Midtown. I'm keying in off that August 17th race over at Ellis Park. A repeat of that would make him very, very tough in here. 3-10-2-7 in race number 7 at Sam Houston. In the 8th, uh, we'll shorten up a little bit in here. The 2 makes a ton of sense for Broberg, Dance Kingdom. I think big speed. But I'm concerned that you're going to have some speed to your inside with Optimal. I think Dance Kingdom is probably the quickest. But then you're going to have Praetorian pressing you. And you're also going to have Wits Gold from the outside flashing good speed. So, you know, the blinks come on. Dracarius, I wouldn't be shocked to see that one a little more forwardly placed. It feels like there are going to be enough in here pushing the pace where I'm going to look for somebody else on top I do think Praetorian has the ability to kind of press off a little bit and not have to get so caught up so I'm going to use the 5 rock uh, rock and roll rocket on top because I feel like he's going to get a really really nice trip in here coming from off the pace and then the 4 we'll use uh, also in the pick 4s so it will go 4-5 in race number 8 at Sam Houston and then to close things out in the ninth. I do like the aid in here. Uh, Aquilina just feels like a uh, filly who really needed the race last time out. She was really good too, uh, even as the favorite. And I feel like she's going to have just so much more bottom today. She had not raced since March of 2019. So we're talking about, you know, 10 months. She should take a massive step forward today with that race under her belt. And the 11, catch the devil. Very logical one in here. This has actually been a two time beaten favorite. So I don't really take want to take, a, you know, too much money on. Um, too short of a price on this one, but um, from what she's shown, you're going to get uh, a filly who's going to be coming from off the pace in here. And then the three, Hunket as a bomb who flashed some speed last time, and she's putting two starts together. She came off of a long layoff. She hadn't raced from July to January. What I like is, if you're just looking at a number and figure, it doesn't look like she improved, but at least she showed some speed on the dirt. And I think, you know, in a race like this, you want a, a price horse to have a little bit of speed, and I'm going to give her a shot in some of the pick fours, and we'll give her a shot to hold on in some of the exotics. So, six race lay pick four looks something like this: one, two, six, eight, with two, three, seven, ten, with four, five, with three, eight, eleven. Best of luck on Friday at Sam Houston. Remember, first post is six forty-five Central Time. You can follow me on Twitter. And I'll be, uh, if there's any changes or any additions or anything at all, I'll always uh, try to uh, to post them there. Let's go to Saturday, February 8th. Every time I try to say, let's get through this real quick, and then <laughs> just a little bit longer. The first race, we'll skip that. We skipped that one because we're going to start with the pick four in race number two. So Sam Houston for Saturday, February 8th. Second race, 5,000 claimers, non-winners of three. These are Texas breads going five and a half furlongs in here. I'm just going to use two and three. Um, I think the three, my golden tail with the blinkers on, second off the bench, adds the blinks, second time Sam Houston. If E-rated gets pressed, my golden tail can come running. 
So that's the way that I look at this race. I think it's either E-rated, he he can take a little step forward with his speed and have a little more fitness second off the bench at a really nice level for him. And then if not, he gets pressed. I think it's my golden tail that comes running. So uh, we have two and three in here. And those are the two that I would use to start the early pick four sequence. E-rated and my golden tail. Race number three. Mile and a turf, 15 claimers, non-winners of three. I like the three a little bit in here, Val's Lemon Drop. I'm thinking that she's going to sit off the pace a little bit. She got caught up and moved a little early on January the 18th. She might have been fresh coming off of a a couple-month break. Now she goes second off. I really like the fit in here at the level. You, You know, you look at her races at the 15 level. They've been competitive. She got money last time out. I just think they're going to choose different tactics today. So we'll put the three on top in here. The six, Bodie on tap. Second off the bench. Will be forwardly placed in here. I think, um, you know, a horse that's going to be in the mix throughout. And then the number eight, flash and go. Let's look at that last time this mare was on the grass at Canterbury. You know, go back and watch that race. It was really good. She was second. She, you know, she ran a big race. And when you look at the, the turf form of everyone in this field, there's really no monsters in here. I think Flash and Go has a shot to to get in the mix. So we'll use three, six, eight in the exotics in race number three at Sam Houston. Race number four. I'm going to go too deep in here with the, the heavy favorite. Yes, clipboard money with the speed on the big drop in class. But the, the six, Chronic here, really should get the setup in here, right? Toss the race in the slop. Going long And now you're looking at a horse Who's going to be cutting back Probably going to have to be coming from way out of it But again, when you're looking at How is this race going to unfold, right? It's either going to be clipboard money In my opinion, it's either clipboard money Is the best in here And he wins this race just from off the pace Or he's, he's just better than any, everyone in here Or you look at Nate's way is going to flash a little speed You look at Commander McDivitt Maybe has a little bit of speed in here You know Clipboard Money is going to be flashing some speed Collection's not exactly slow And now you see a race that If Clipboard Money loses It's probably because there was other speed pressing him And if that is the case I think then it sets up for the 6 Chronic here So we'll use the 6 and the 4 in here Those will be our 2 in the pick 4 In race number 4 and maybe a little win wager on the six horse if you if you get a you know the price that we want. This is a horse that doesn't get hammered. Race number five, close out leg of that early pick four sequence. It's a mile turf course optional fifteens, uh, Phillies and mares four year olds and up. And and I like the seven, uh, TikTok, talk it. And let's go back and look at this one's last couple grass races. Right, October the eighteenth. Against much tougher stakes company September the 27th Against stakes company You run into a really sharp horse Who won both of those races And last time On the the main track Going a mile She trailed But she was only 3-4 lengths out of it She dropped back a little bit She moved up into contention But she was inside With absolutely nowhere to go You can see it says blocked The 8th uh, settled and then blocked. I mean, just nowhere to go. So you're coming back to the grass, and the form's a little muddied because the last couple times on the grass they weren't great races, but they were against much better. Now you're back on the grass. You're coming in off of a nice prep on the dirt. I think the number seven, tick, tap, talk, talk it. Very logical. I'm gonna make a win wager uh, on this one if we don't get hammered too hard. Um, and I'll put the seven on top of the five. Magic in motion, who will fly early. Uh, on the stretch out from five furlongs to the mile The number 10 Storm in Charlotte Who's an old vet and that's going to go second start off the bench Should take a nice step forward Look at some of the real productive races she came out of last year And real sharp uh, fields that she faced Over at Evangeline And then the four Leather and Lace Consistent looking for her third in a row Did a nice job uh, The connections Ryan Cravens did a nice job Getting this one into the winner's circle First off the claim So 7 5 10 4 in race number 5 That means the early pick 4 For us at Sam Houston Is going to go something like 2 3 With 3 6 8 With 4 6 With 4 5 7 and 10 Let's move to race number 6 We'll play that late pick 5 for Saturday 
I think you can play a couple different tickets in here. I'm going to take one approach where I single this two distorted flash right off the bat. Uh, I thought her debut was good. She had a good start. Then she was outrun a little bit. She was back to sixth. Uh, of seven, but she was only three lengths off. She waited behind horses. She moved in between. She tried to go inside. And she could not get through. Then she had to angle out and in between. Real sneaky trip uh, with some trouble, and she was traveling really well. There's some ability here with the number two distorted flash. We're going to make our top selection in here. The eight lady Laura makes a lot of sense. Went right to the lead, got pressed by a couple others, and she looks to have a major pace advantage in this race, even cutting back to seven furlongs. But, you know, she was defeated in that race by Super Legs, who was third. She actually did run. Lady Laura was ran pretty well. Like, she was battling throughout, and then she just got a little tired late. So maybe first time out, you know, um, she was just uh, not 100% cranked. I have this race 284. So the way I'll play it is I'm going to single the two on my main ticket. I'll play another ticket where I use the two, four, and the eight. And uh, we'll shorten up in some of the other races where we can kind of key in on the other ones that we like. So, two, eight, four there. You know, the four super legs angled out five wide was a solid third be, uh, in front of Lady Laura on January the 15th. Two, eight, four in race number six. The seventh race will spread out a little bit. The six going to make the top selection dance proudly. Who I think you can put a line through that try on the synthetic last out and just look at this old vet who loves to win races and really fits nicely in here. The number three future ruler who's sharp, who's stepping up, and who just loves these turf sprints. Put a line through the two back race at Delta and then look at how good this horse's form looks on paper. Horse who has that nice tactical speed who can sit just off the pace, doesn't need the lead. The five about our time. Going to go uh, on the claim back for Broberg, one who feels like they should just sit a nice trip in here. The with some you know some speed, but doesn't need the lead. Has the opportunity to come from off the pace and and some options. The two Richards boy, an old an old like classy runner up in the Breeders' Cup turf sprint down in for thirty. I just felt like he was going to show a lot more last time out, and he might be you know beyond his best, and maybe he's not going to give you the effort that he. Uh, like some of his best efforts would obviously have crushed a group like this, but I think the price with a horse like that is key. You know, if he's around five or six to one, then you want to include him in some of your exotics. And then the ten, Roger Brown, who can fly and just likes to win races. And I don't want to have him be the one that beats me because you're going to know early on if he's able to clear a field, he's going to be really tough to run down. So I have this race six three five two ten. And uh, a race where we can spread out a little bit Because we're going to be singling in that 6th race Right off the bat with the 2 The 8th race We will just be using 2 in here uh, The 4 and the 3 will be the 2 horses that we used I, I thought the 4 bowl legend This is a really nice claim for Broberg Claimed this one for 7500 One for 10 on 3 Then stepped up and won a state bred First level allowance I think this is a nice mare who will sit just off the pace Looking for her 3rd win in a row And AJ's grand Will be the other one who versatile, same type of thing. Um, I th- I look at this race and I think that Daisy can has some speed. Frugal Betty has some speed. I think this race is going to set up for someone off the pace. And uh, I'm looking at Bold Legend and AJ's Grand as the two to include in all exotics here. So four three for me. We'll use those two in the pick five sequence. We move on to race number nine. Texas bred allowance, uh, non two, five and a half furlongs. The eight going to be the top selection in here, Detroit 66. I think this first time gelding put in a really nice prep off the, the, the bench last time out. Hadn't raced since July. Go back and watch that effort. Sitting close, kind of moved into contention. It's got a little tired late. Eight on top, Detroit 66. The nine. Moro Appeal will be using With that early speed Should be involved throughout You notice I'm trying to, trying to speed up a little bit here Just because I uh, don't want this one to go forever And we're getting uh, into the later into the Friday here The one wonders of his love was, Is the inside speed And then the two, Grady's Cat Obviously you look at the, the running style here Is the type of horse who could get a really good setup And with a little turn back Maybe even a, a little more late punch So 8-9, 1-2 
in the ninth. And then to close things out in race number 10, we're going to go 10 to 13. Uh, we'll put the number 10, Mr. George Tap on top off of that really nice debut race. And that was in the slop. Hopefully you get a fast track now. Every right to improve second time out. The two horse, Silver and Aces, was your beaten favorite, but that was coming off of a long layoff. Flash good speed that day and faded to third. One of the horses that he couldn't hold off, who actually ran second, was Doc's Class Act, who just looks like a real logical contender off that nice runner up effort last out. So 10 2 3 in race number 10. At Sam Houston That means our pick fives would look something like this um, I'm going to take one approach Where I'll single the two With two, three, five, six, ten With three, four With one, two, eight, nine With two, ten, thirteen Then play another ticket Something like this With uh, two, four, eight With three, six With three, four With one, two, eight, nine With two, ten, thirteen That's for Saturday February the 8th Over at Sam Houston before we get to Tampa, let's hear a word from one of our sponsors. One of the sponsors of That's What G Said podcast is Cindy Carava, full-service realtor. And I am here over in Glendora at Coldwell Banker with Cindy Carava. Cindy, how was 2019 for you? Tell us a little bit about what uh, what kind of stuff you were working on. Hi, Gino. Thanks for having me. Uh, 2019 was just really great. Uh, I had a great year uh, selling homes all the way from Altadena, Arcadia, Monrovia, out to Upland and Ontario just recently. Um, The market has has been uh, really good. Um, We're looking forward to 2020 with an increase in home prices about 5.8% this year, opposed to last year where it was a little softer. We saw uh, more like homes averaging about 3.5% in increase in value. Um, It's also looking great for buyers. Uh, The interest rates right now are going to be staying under 4%. So if you've been on the fence about thinking about buying a home, now is the time to do so with interest rates still staying low. And you offer more services than just the buying, selling, and leasing homes. Tell us about some of the other services that you offer and what a full-service realtor really is. So you're right, Gino. Besides me being uh, a full-service realtor of uh, finding properties for my clients to buy or selling their homes or finding rentals for them, um, I also have a plethora of resources like uh, handyman, contractors, electricians, plumbers. Uh, I even, if like I said, if you're thinking about getting a home loan, I actually work with two great lenders that I can recommend to anybody. And you're all over the internet, social media, websites. Let us know some of the places where we can find you. I know I've seen some reviews on Yelp and on Zillow. Everyone always has positive things to say. Everybody hears me raving about you all the time. But where can uh, everyone else find out information about you or contact? Thank you, Gino. Yeah, I am on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, And uh, you can contact me on my website, which is www.cindycarava.com, or my email, which is cindyc.realtor at gmail.com. Or feel free to call or text me on my cell phone, which is 626-394-6400. Cindy is awesome. She's one of the kindest and most genuine people I've ever met. I promise you, you will enjoy every minute you interact with her. So thank you very much, Cindy. Uh, Appreciate all of your support from That's What She Said podcast. Thank you, Gino. Have a great day, everyone. Okay, let's finish things up with uh, Tampa Bay Downs for Saturday. Big day. Sam F. Davis Day over at Tampa Bay Downs. There is a really strong card at Tampa especially in the some of the undercard races there are a couple of excellent maiden special weight races let's, let's touch on a couple of those real quick in the fourth race they're going to go a mile and 40 yards near maiden special weight let's go to the five Don Bourbon who's most recent start at Gulfstream Park I thought was pretty good and he's come out of some pretty tough races he broke inward but but he broke well he just didn't go on with it and then he ended up getting parked you know Really wide, four off, four lengths behind. It, I didn't love the ride. For a generally good rider, I didn't think it was one of uh, Javi's best. So let's give Don Bourbon top building in here. What's kind of scary about the uh, the Tampa Bay card on Saturday is like every race. I really almost every race. I really like the combination of the Ian Wilkes and and Julian, and you know like. The five Don Bourbon, obviously very logical. Then move to race number five. Look at the seven. 
this one is turning back. Career debut, really nice second. Then comes back on October the 18th and hooks a horse named Byerness, who's two for two. The runner-up that day, Tilted Bride, won next out. Then showed speed going long and now turns back to six and a half furlongs after flashing a little speed. So maybe she's she's able to get sit a little closer, but she'll have more more bottom because it looked like six furlongs was a little short for her. She's a really nice fit in here. I think I'm going to put a few bucks to win on the number seven in race number five. And let's continue to kind of fly along in here through Tampa up to Tampa's. Let's see. I mean, the seventh race is a really strong maiden special. I don't have as strong of an opinion in there. The eighth race is the start of the late pick five sequence, and that's where you're going to see Got Stormy, who is a you know, multiple grade one winner who was the runner-up in the Breeders' Cup mile against the boys. And she's going to be really, really tough to beat. And if you're trying to beat her, I think it's probably only one of the logical ones, maybe Andina Del Sur, or uh, maybe I give a little bit of a look to Altia. The ninth race, this was one of my favorite races, the handicap, all weekend long. You can make a case for almost every filly in the Sun Coast. There are some legitimate animals in here. The one, Lucrezia, is going to show some pace. She was a stakes winner sprinting right here at Tampa last time out. That's big inside speed. You have a little more pace right next door with We the Clouds, who was a stakes uh, placed filly coming off of a a couple-month break off of a really great debut win at Keeneland. She wouldn't be a shock if she improved a little bit. 260 is pace in here. I mean, this is the filly they thought enough of to take a shot in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. The the four Motu was the runner-up in the Grade 2 Goldenrod. She was in the two-path. She kept in the clear. She made a big four-wide move to the top of the lane. It was a really good second behind Finite, who came back to win another stakes out of that. How about Comical, who is a multiple grade one placed Philly. She was second in the Chandelier. She was third in the Debutante. She was behind Bast a couple times. They took a shot with her in the Breeders' Cup. She looks like another Philly that can at least add pace to the party. The the number six horse, Miss Important, winner on the synthetic last out. She looks to me maybe a little bit um, overmatched in this spot, just the way the race is going to shape up and because I feel like maybe just because there's a lot of others in here that have a lot uh, of upside that you maybe want to take a shot with. What's wrong with the seven? Blame Debbie. This is going to be my top selection in here. She ran on that crazy bias day at Aqueduct. Remember that December 7th day when like every race was a gate to wire winner on the dirt? We're going to talk about that race in, in a minute when we break down the Sam F. Davis a little bit. Blame Debbie had a good start. She was close up into the turn. She sat third. She was in the two path. Then she got caught in between horses. She had to back you know, out of it to like four or five off. And then she angles out. She gets up for third against a crazy front running bias where they went really, really slow and Lake Avenue just cruised. I'm going to put Blame Debbie on top in here. The three outside horses are the horses that I'm the most intrigued by from a wagering standpoint. What's wrong with the eight turtle tracks? I bet her last time out, she was coming in off a couple really, really nice efforts. Another time I mentioned this connection with Ian Wilkes and Julian, and then she hooked a slop in the golden rod, and she really didn't run that poorly. She didn't break well. She was beat out of a spot. She was back to last. She was eight off. I'm expecting... A much better effort from her today Turtle tracks And then the 9 embossed You know you go back to the December 4th race Right here at Tampa She crushed a field on the on the turf last time out And prior to that she won going a mile and 40 On this track at Tampa Broke on top, sat forth, 3 off, 3 deep Was hooked wide in a small field Moved to the lead without really being asked There are nice options in here You can legitimately build strong cases For just about everyone I'm going to build it for the 7 Blame Debbie, for the 8 Turtle Tracks, for the 9 Embossed. Those are the 3 that I would use in some of the exotics, and I'll put the 7 on top, Blame Debbie. In race number 10, it's the Tampa Bay. A couple that I'm looking at, I thought the 4 Caribou Club is the one to beat. I do think the 1 March to the Arch is going to get a great trip in here. Um, It looks like there's some pace. You have uh, Admiralty Pier, you have Renaissance Frolic, you have Holiday, Going to show some speed You have Real Story Going to show some speed I'm looking to the two uh, Devamani 
I'm going back to that November 9th race Was tucked inside, was third, fourth, was a couple off Moved inside, it was a really nice win And then you take a shot on the dirt last time out And You know, a very easy race to excuse You go back to that November 9th race There were a couple next out winners The sixth finisher has won next out twice The third finisher instilled regard Came back to win the grade 2 Fort Lauderdale And then was third in the Pegasus World Cup turf So that tells me that Devin Monty's been keeping some very nice company now in the barn of Chad Brown, I mean, he has a feeling of where this one fits because he knows instilled regard. So I'm going to put the two horse on top. I have this two for one if you're p- talking about late exotics uh, as horses to include. And then in race number 11, it's the Sam F. Davis. And the one Ajaweed is going to be my top selection in here. Uh, Ajaweed, you go race by race, career debut. Sprinting, easy race to excuse Come back on September the 11th uh, And a nice maiden special weight winner When you stretch out to the mile Then you go over to Keeneland, you're in the Breeders' Futurity You're behind a couple nice horses You know, Maxfield, Governor Morris Enforceable, we've seen come out of that race To to run really well That's your LeCompte winner who's going to be pointed To the Risen Star And another one who exits that big Speed bias day at Aqueduct, right? He's second last time out behind Shotsky, who came back and ran well in the Withers. And Ajaweed settled sixth, seventh, was five off, angled um, early five wide move, was a was strong, clear cut second, was really moving, was really closing the gap late against the biased racetrack. Ajaweed, the number one, will make a top selection, will make a win wager on this one. We don't want to get hammered down to like. You know, much lower than like five to two, but I think Ajaweed is a big, big player in here. I would use the two Soul Volante if you're talking about other exotics. He was bumped back a little bit at the start. He was six of seven. He was eight nine off, and he started to roll. He went inside. He had to wait a little bit, and then he had to angle around and in between horses with a better, smoother, cleaner trip. He'd have been much closer. I think he's in a horse to using some of the exotics. The three Albert Park. You know, his running style makes him an interesting long shot because he could sit pretty nicely in here. When you look at the one Ajaweed and the two Soul Volante, they are more of like the stone cold closer type. So the way that this race could really shape up on paper, it could be like Independence Hall forwardly placed and Premier Star forwardly placed, two of the really, really nice looking three year olds in here, but they both seem like they want to be kind of up in the mix early. If they are, Albert Park could sit maybe right behind them. I think Chopaloo will probably be close also. I don't know if Chopaloo is quite as quick as the other two. Um, and, and Albert Park could end up working out that trip where he's sitting like right, maybe right behind Independence Hall, right behind Premier Star, and maybe he gets the jump on Ajaweed and Sol Volante. So if you're playing late pick fours or pick fives or however you're, you're playing the races at Tampa, make sure to throw the three Albert Park into a lot of your exotics or maybe one of your pick fours or pick fives, definitely in like tries and supers and stuff because he, he has that, that running style to where he could maybe just fall into a really nice spot. So the three I would use in some exotics And then you have Independence Hall Who had a slow start last time out And then he angles out four wide in the clear He was handled like a one to nine shot He won very easily He hasn't really been tested in any of his starts But I think he's going to get tested in here And I wouldn't be surprised to see him win But it it probably won't be with my money on the win end Um, So I'll just be kind of watching him in here And we'll be trying to beat him from a gambling standpoint No getting over me I feel like it might be a little bit of a long shot here The 6th Premier Star If you watch his races He just crushed Last time out I mean he just cruised right on the front end I imagine he gets the lead in here He's probably one that's going to be more intent on getting the lead Than Independence Hall But I don't know if Independence Hall Can You know if he if he tries to Kind of Get hooked If he gets Cooked wide And he's forced into a, a trip that That's you know, not a great trip Like I don't know if he can win with the same type of race He ran last time out in the Jerome Independence Hall That's kind of why I'm against him I would be more inclined to give Premier shot, Star a shot And maybe he can really just uh, Steal this race The 7 Tizrai time I feel like this is one of the Ian Wilkes Julian horses that I I won't be using I think he does need to improve a little bit To get the better of this group And then you have Chopaloo who beat 4 next out winners In his maiden special 8 win And he's drawn really well, he has speed He can pass, he's a great at stakes winner up at Woodbine With that speed last time out You know, so I, I just feel like This race, to me There are, 
if there's always a couple options that I like other than the favorite or horses that I like in particular, like a three year old race like this, these horses are improving. I'm fine with taking uh, with going against Independence Hall, and if you're someone who thinks that this might be one of the best three year olds, I'm okay with that. But I think Aja Weed, I- I'm gonna make my top selection in here. Um, the two, I wouldn't talk you off using Sol Volante. I'm gonna use the three Albert Park in a lot of exotics. I thought, and I think I prefer the six Premier Star to Independence Hall in here. I wouldn't talk you off Chapaloo. So a fun. Sam F. Davis, a really fun Suncoast. I like this card at Tampa. I don't play a whole ton of Tampa. Probably just on a couple of their big days. Didn't they used to play a little more during TVG days? But uh, this this was one of the cards that I really had a, had a fun time handicapping. So I hope you all enjoy, and I hope you all can make a little money. And we asked for your social media posts this week. We just didn't get a whole ton. Uh, the few that we did get, let me reference those. So we had a play from Michael Gagliano, who is looking for his third in a row. If he gets this winner, he'll be able to come on and uh, come on for a segment and give us his picks next time out and talk some uh, some sports with us. He has Portland plus 8.5 over Utah, Lilliard 48.8 per game over the last six. And then Joe Gillian said Philly college basketball four-team parlay on Saturday. SMU over Temple, Villanova over Seton Hall, LaSalle over St. Joe's, and Penn over Cornell. Great to hear from Joe Gillian. And then over on Twitter, we heard from Mike Demoni. He said February 7th at Sam Houston, race 5, the 6th Dauntless Prince. And then we're going to check up on Angelo because I think Angelo gave us a couple winners out uh, last week. That was uh, Ang Man, so he might be uh, in line to come on in and talk some sports with us here. That's going to do it, folks. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of That's What G Said. Make sure to share it around with your friends. Anyone that's uh, you know a sports fan, a horse racing fan, we're going to continue to talk a lot of basketball. We're going to get into baseball season soon. And starting next week, we're going to bring on some guests to talk some college, college hoops. And uh, that'll be some focus now as we get closer and closer into March and March Madness. We'll have big shows where we go through, break down our brackets, and give you all sorts of uh, tournament information. So uh, looking forward to the next few months here on That's What G Said. Don't forget the sponsors, that Valentine's Day box. I have a few of them. I ordered a couple. They're great from Sarah Candles. It's just 20 bucks. You don't have to go spend thousands of dollars. You can get some nice chocolate. You can get uh, some flowers. Then you get a nice couple candles in this really cool Valentine's Day box wrapped up. It'll be a a great gesture for your loved one, significant other, family, friend, you name it. They'll like this Valentine's Day box from Sarah Candles. Joey, my friend, close this show out.